Good morning again. Um, okay, we're looking at Philippians, so we're skipping uh, section. Preston will be back next week to teach the section right before this. Uh, we're going to be looking at Philippians 2, 19 through 30. Uh, 2, 19 through 30, and I want you to think about the men we want to be. Um, the men we want to be. So, for women, uh, the men you want us to be. Think about that. And for men, the men we want to be. Uh, for young men, the men you aim to become. For older men, the men we continue to try to be. Uh, think about that, because today we're going to be looking at three different men. So, I'm just going to read through this section, and then we'll walk through it. Chapter 2, starting in verse 19. I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Okay, so three men we're looking at, Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus. Verse 19, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may be cheered by news of you. Remember, this is the prison epistle. Paul's in jail, um, but he does, he does look for his deliverance. He believes uh, it will work out for his deliverance. He says that later on. Um, so, but he's managing while he's in prison. And so I think it, by God's grace, it was an opportunity, a trial that Paul went through, and an opportunity for both Timothy and Epaphroditus to, to have their faith shown, uh, to have their the qualities that God had placed in them and was working in them come out. Um, Paul wants to know how they're doing, so look at Paul's desires. We, as we think about the men that we want to be, look at the qualities in this section that are highlighted. Uh, and Paul doesn't highlight them about himself, but you can see them by what he says his desires are. Um, so I've, I've said, said the last time I taught, what you desire will show up by what you're satisfied in. That makes sense. Whatever, whatever you become satisfied in, if you're not content with something, it shows a lack of, it shows you've missed your desire. Your desire wasn't fulfilled. Um, and Paul's desire, we showed earlier, was the gospel being proclaimed, was Christ being exalted specifically. Um, and so if you look here, look at, the, look at Paul's desires. You can see his desires and what he's hoping for, what he would be satisfied in. I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. Um, what, what was that news? What was he wanting to know? Uh, 
That's how the church is doing. How are the Philippians? I mean, it's legitimate. If you think of so missionaries, different people we know in different places, uh, and Romine comes to mind. Is he in Utah, right? Still there, right? Provo? Yeah, Provo. Yeah, so how's Ed doing? Ed's a joy. If you don't know Ed, he's a blessing. I hope you get to know him one day. We'll have eternity figuring it out and watching Ed walk. Um, so how's Ed doing? You know, that, that joy, that desire to know how those he loves. And in Paul's case, as a father to many, seen as a spiritual father, that desire to know how your children are doing. As John wrote in Third John, I have no greater joy than to see that my children are walking in the faith. You know, that idea that he was talking about the church there, to see the church, his children, as he viewed them spiritually. Um, so Paul's desire that he may be cheered by news of you, specifically how the church was going. Uh, his commendation of Timothy, verse 20, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So as we, as we consider consider qualities, what, what kind of quality of a man would this, would this point out? All right, uh, single, one, two, three, only three single ladies. Uh, what good quality would that man have that's shown here? Married women, you can answer to. I'll, I'll leave it open to all the women. If you look at the man's quality here, what quality is Paul exhibiting that Timothy has, or what Paul is, what, what quality is Timothy commending, being commended about by Paul? Hmm? Okay, compassion. What does he, what does he, what does he specifically say? A love for the church. A love for the bride. Men, may we grow in a greater love for the church. Now, it's, it's interesting to think of. I was thinking about it earlier. Um, does anybody you love annoy you? <laughs> that is a rhetorical question. <laughs> if you're married, and brothers and sisters, henceforth have been born, you will know that people you love still annoy you. So, a, lo- a genuine love through the annoyance. So there, there's a, and if you consider the, the type of love that it takes is a love that only believers can know. Unbelievers cannot know the love of God. Only believers can. So if you see that exhibited, shown forth in a, in a self-sacrifice, and let's, let's read verse 21 because you'll see the juxtaposition of that. Uh, for they all seek their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus, not those of Jesus Christ. So the qualities we as men should aspire for would be a greater love to grow in a greater love. And that's that's one reason why the direction our church has taken is because we want. I mean, the Spurgeon Memorial. We want to annoy each other. I was listening to podcasts this last week and talked about how men are. Men automatically get in a room and they start insulting one another. That's how we do it. You pansy, come here. <laughs> you know, it's, it's how we do it. It's, it's foreign to women. They don't, they're not the same. They're completely different. Completely different creation in that aspect. But men, that's how, that's how we operate. That's how we start kicking each other or something. And so the, the opportunity for the Spurgeon Memorial is for us to grow 
closer together to admit to, to figure out where our weak spots are. <laughs> to annoy each other to the point where we think, okay, I probably went too far. <laughs> and then back up and say, all right, let's go again. So there's a genuine love there. There's a genuine desire to go past the annoyances, to, to want to be involved in that person's life. So G Timothy, the, the character trait you're seeing, Paul commended Timothy, is a genuine concern for their welfare. To the point where the superficial annoyances and the superficial picking at each other is just the surface of the true level that we are trying to get to know each other to the point where we will be a part of each other's lives. So, see the, see the, the commendation there. And the opposite of that makes me think of Romans chapter 2. Wrong way. Uh, Romans chapter 2. When it talks about the difference between those who will be saved and those who will not, believers and unbelievers. Verse 6, He will render to each one according to his works, to those who in patience, well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But, for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. So the self-seekingness. He has no other. So Paul highlights this. He says, they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So there's the juxtaposition of the man who seeks glory. The glory of God. Moses said, show me your glory. It's, so seeking glory is not a bad thing. Seeking glory for yourself is. Understand. We're meant to worship. Worshiping men is wrong, but worship the true God is good. As, as fallen creatures, we pervert every good thing. And so the, the character quality you see there is a, is a seeking after the well-being of the body of Christ, the church, the bride, caring for Christ's bride. Paul says he has no, no one else that will be like Timothy for that. Verse 22, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust also in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So there's the, what I was talking about earlier. Paul believes he will be delivered from prison and will be able to see the Philippians. Um, for whatever reason, that's what he felt. Uh, so, any questions on that first paragraph? No? Okay. <laughs> I'm not, all right, not drawing it out of you yet. Okay. So, now, I want you to ask, Authorial intent. Two big words. Authorial. Well, intent's not a big word, sorry. Authorial intent. What's Paul's motivation for saying this to the Philippians? Because this is where I'm going to go back to our relationships and how we get along with each other. I'm going to wrap it in. Why would Paul. Hmm? Yeah, for who? Okay, why? Why would he need to? Not a trick question, but it takes a little digging. Paul's in prison, so he probably a little discouraged or concerned or yep. distracted. 
is, so here's, here's let's, let's break this barrier. Is the Philippian church perfect and doing great? Here's the, here's the problem we have. We tend to disconnect, except for the Galatians. We have an easy time throwing the Galatians out. Um, except for the Galatians, we tend to too often idolize first century church and think they were doing pretty good. Imagine, if you will, Timothy's being sent into a war zone and he's going to go face opposition. But this is not the enemy. What's Paul doing? authorial intent. He's writing this to the Philippians for a God-ordained, inspired reason for both the Philippians and all those who would follow. Why is he commending Timothy? Same reason I would commend Patrick Joyner. And I would tell you how much he loves you. How much he wants your good. Because I know there's going to be a day where something's going to be said that's going to grate against you. Timothy was going back to do church, people. It was going to not be pretty. Yes, yes, there's joy. Yes, there's good. But look at what Paul said. I have no one else who's going to be so concerned for you. Everybody else is self-seeking and not seeking Christ. He's preparing the Philippians for Timothy's arrival and his arrival. And I would say all three of them in this, because I think the belief is Epaphroditus probably showed up with a letter from the Philippians. And so what's he trying to get the Philippians? How is he trying to roadmap? What's the direction he's trying to point the Philippians? He's been heavy on rejoice, take joy, whether they were just discouraged, whatever. I mean, what happens in your house when there's a lot of discouragement? Is it just stay at discouragement? Or does frustration, bitterness, and anger follow? Right? Everybody knows. Frustration, bitterness, and anger follow. Relationships are difficult. So what's Paul doing? I would, I would point to that. And I say that's why we need to commend, and this is why I would argue for commending men. I made, a, I made a statement one time. I said, don't put all your cards or all your, don't hedge all your bets on me. And I was asked afterwards, well, what do you mean? Aren't we supposed to imitate? Well, I would say, yes, as far as I follow Christ, imitate me. But I would warn you, be wary of putting too much faith in me. But there's no problem with commending godly qualities in men. So when you see a godly quality in a man, when you see a godly quality Go ahead and commend that. Not to puff up men, but to encourage others. Because that's what's going on. Paul, I believe, is preparing the Philippians for the teaching that Timothy would bring that would be brought by Epaphroditus from Paul and also when Paul came himself. Did you know Paul's desire was not to fight when he got there? He wanted to come in, he wanted to come in peace. He wanted to come and enjoy, but he understood the nature of sin is such that we will be fighting it out till the end. And so he's preparing these Philippians. If you see these, he's commending these honorable characters and men. So in your relationships, how does this apply to us as men and women? In your relationships with others, how often you commend the good qualities of somebody else will affect someone else's view of them. 
if all you ever hear from me is what few things I'm annoyed about, about this guy over here, I'm not doing you any service in the gospel at all. But if every time I get an opportunity and that man's not around and I'm trying to, to be a blessing, I'll say, yeah, man, Jonathan's been a blessing to me here. I, he encouraged me here. Woody has, has helped me so much here. If I make it the quality of my life, so this is the quality that's not pointed out that Paul's doing, that I was talking about. If I make it the quality of my life to exalt and to glorify the Christ Spirit-given qualities that men have, men and women have, and I choose to, to, to talk about those with you, that is a help for the gospel and a building of relationships for the times when it will be difficult. Because if I have placed brick by brick by brick by brick the good qualities, and this is the negative, this is the opposite side of what a lot of us have been through before. Where all we've ever heard when we've heard anything is the negative stuff. And then when the, when the hard times came, that wall fell pretty easy. But if we build each other up, encouraging one another in Christ, brick by brick by brick by brick, when the hard times come, there's something to lean against. We have built a firm foundation, building on the work that Christ has done in each other. So, commend those qualities to each other. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. How much do you think that would help Timothy when he need to talk to somebody about something. If they could think back and think, yeah, man, Paul, Paul placed a lot of stock in Timothy. Okay, Timothy, what, what you got? See how that works? So, um, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that surely I myself will come also. Remember, he's trying to encourage the Philippians. We know they're, I mean, this is the rejoice letter. He's calling them to rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And I don't think it's because they were overabounding and exuding in rejoicing. So, uh, questions? Okay, if you think of one, just raise your hand or holler at me. Um, So, verse 25. Moves on to Epaphroditus, our third person. Um, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because he, you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also. Now, oddly enough, this applies right back to what I was preaching about a while ago. What did Paul just do? He showed them how, through that trial, God had mercy. His focus wasn't to woe is me and to focus on that. His his point was to point back to, but, but look at it. He was near to death, but God had mercy on him, and God had mercy on me. So I didn't have sorrow upon sorrow. Paul's in jail. He could have whined about it. But his was to build up the church to proclaim Christ so he tells them for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because he heard that you were ill now mind you this is inspired word of God for millennia 
to teach us? What are we to learn? Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. So there's the, there's the line I was headed towards before. Honor such men. So when we think of, when we think of honoring... How do you honor somebody? What, what is Paul saying when he says honor? Does he just mean throw them a party when they get back? No. What, what are these men? Only be the holes and close to your heart. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Embrace him and love him like they would love Paul. Absolutely. Absolutely. Trust and follow them. Hmm? Trust and follow them. Trust and follow them. What's the, what's the number one when in marriage counseling? What's the number one complaint of men in the bathroom? She doesn't. Ah, it's out there. Exactly. She doesn't respect me. So men want to do things. Women, he doesn't listen to me, he doesn't love me. Women, or men, he doesn't respect me. How do you honor? By respecting, by being patient. So consider the, the job that Timothy, the young pastor, Epaphroditus, consider the job that they and Paul had in leading the Philippian church and the difficulty that they would have because you're going to ask people to do something that they don't want to do sometimes. So when we, when we think about honoring such men, we, as men, we encourage one another. We talk of the good things the Lord has done through each other. We tell our wives about that. That's where men have a hard time. It's, how was your day? Good. And it needs to be it was really good. Jeremy was encouraging me today. That's where our wives want want to know, want to be a part of our life. The, the disconnection between men and women, that's one way for men to step towards the women and to care for them is by saying, hey, this man did this for me today and it was encouraging. That's one way to lead our wives in a godly way. So, how do we honor these men? We're patient with them. We pray for them. We hold them near and dear to our heart. And we tell other people good things about them. Every chance we get. We, we be a blessing to them and to the other person. And tell good things about them. How are they? Patrick went to all the way to Idaho to help me move back. I loaded down a 22-foot toy hauler camper. Not more than two or 3,000 pounds overweight and attempted to tow it down an interstate and looked like I was a waving flag going down the road. I had a little fun, scared my wife to death. Patrick paid for a Penske to get me back home. We unloaded the toy hall. We, this is the day we were supposed to be making time and heading to Texas. And we turned around, went back to a friend's house. He went and rented a Penske, 
backed it up to the toy hauler, emptied everything out of the toy hauler into the Penske, left the toy hauler at my friend's house, and we headed for Texas. And we arrived in the northern part of Utah about 10 o'clock. That's, that's, that's the kind of guy you got here. He has, he has a great concern for us and a great love. Now, when we start doing that with each other, when I start talking about all the guys who've been on my roof, who've sweated with me, there's nothing, for men, there's nothing better than sweat beside each other. You find out what you're made of, you find an opportunity to pick on each other a little more, and you get something built. It works good. Bust a few knuckles, tear up some boards, do something. When we start sharing that with each other, when we start encouraging one another with how we've been an encouragement and blessing each other, you will see that growth in love that bond and unity. I see that, that they're exalting, that they're being commended here, that you can see in Paul and is commended in Epaphroditus and Timothy. So that's our application is for us to do that. Um, recognizing the mercy of God in the midst of trials, verse 27, indeed he was ill near to death. That's, like I said, applies back to the scripture, the sermon today. Um, honor such men, respect them, listen to them. And the final thing we're going to talk about what in the world does it mean their service was lacking? How is the Philippian church's service lacking? So let me read it. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. What does that mean? How are the Philippians lacking toward Paul? So that's, that's an interesting thing to consider, is the apostle wrote the church and said that Epaphroditus had completed what... That he, you understand, Paul brought up a lack that they had. Epaphroditus, and it, we don't normally talk like this, because it would feel awkward if we said that to each other, but every one of you has been in the, probably been in the church, or known somebody who's been in the church, where that extra step was lacking. You probably didn't tell it to the church, but you probably told it to somebody else. And you heard Mary probably talking about it. You've been in that church where it was good theology, maybe good music, and it didn't get much past that. What was lacking? That very one another part, that physical, that actual, that James. Go well and be fed. <laughs> what was lacking? Doing something. Put the put the crank the chainsaw and cut the tree. I mean, that's what it is. What was lacking? Send that dude some money so he can eat. Put it in a bag. Put shoes on Epaphroditus' feet. Send him out the door. That's what we got to do sometimes. What was lacking? Give up the Saturday. It's what it is. It's going to be next for those who are able. And it's how God equips our body in different ways. Thankfully, we're not all the same, so we can meet a very, very variety of needs. But it's the way God cares for His bride. And it puts shoes on feet. Booties in a little basket. What was lacking was the Philippians' feet to do something for Paul. And Epaphroditus filled that up. 
So commend, commend those things. That's why, I, that's why, that's the reason I commend to you the fact that Patrick, not just Patrick, but Patrick and Maggie flew to Idaho and brought us back to Texas. So, it's because that's, that was a, that filled up a lack. There was a lack that was filled. That was, thankfully, it was a blessing. And I know that it's, it's happened for me for many of you. Question? Thoughts?